Welcome to Advanced Fashion Disruption, with co-hosts Benson Roberts III and Megan Somerville, where we discuss the tragic, the predatory, the glory, and the deep beauty of fashion. All right. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. Hello, this is Benson. Hey, Benson. Hey, Megan. You? Is it? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm uh, waiting for a package. Um, somebody in Denver, Colorado sent me something so that uh, it would make my podcasting easier. Thank you, ma'am. So mm-hmm. I'm waiting for that today. And I found out that the, uh, uh, the utilities to downstairs were shut off. Uh, supposed to be paid by Sira, but because the meter is technically a, a uh, um, an industrial meter or a business, uh, they they say they can't pay it, and yet uh, it's the only gas meter I have, and the entire bill is for the heating of of uh, the apartment through the winter and hot water for dishes, laundry, and Benson to shower in. So I'm I'm going to have to make some phone calls today. Um, but I feel up to handling the phone call, which is a plus. Some days I don't, I don't have that much bandwidth, but I think I do today. Um, what else? What else? Oh, I, I'm lusting after some shoes online and reminding myself that I cannot buy the shoes. Uh, not until we, uh, I stabilize the business and, and become profitable again. Um, but I feel like that is that is imminent now. No longer is it theoretical. It's imminent. I actually have work. Yay. How are you? Okay. Did you expect that long an answer? Uh, no. Well, I kind of knew that the package was headed to you because yeah, I've been you kind of said it. it. Yeah, because you kind um, of said it. <laughs> and so I'm kind of excited about that coming and for us to be able to um, have a little bit more ease. And I think that you're really going to love it. Um, okay, so my laptop seizes up and it's probably because it needs to be cracked open and cleaned. Um, but it, it's always had problems. It's Adele. And it's not Adele. It's Adele computer. I do not call my computer Adele. Um, and so ever so often, uh, I it just it just closes down or arbitrarily reboots or uh, freezes. Uh, and so the other day, uh, this happened, and uh, Megan sends me this thing that she's ordered me a Chromebook, which is what she uses, and it doesn't tend to freeze. So um, that's how amazing Miss Megan Somerville is crazy bitch sent me a Chromebook (laughs) and I cried and I was happy and embarrassed all the things that I still feel when somebody does something nice for me Uh, I should probably ask for more charity that I'm getting but uh, I I have a hard time asking for help I have a really hard time asking for help although I, I don't have a hard time with the idea of several of you going to Patreon and sponsoring us at some level that would be awesome yeah, and or going to any of the websites to be able to take a look at all the stuff that we're doing right now. But I'm I kind of like am zeroing in on um, you talking about looking at shoes and kind of my fascination recently has been after we talked to Jen about her working at halls in Kansas City about my favorite Southern high end um, department store, which is Stanley Korshak. And it's just kind of interesting that, you know, there's these regional kind of it stores where, you know, you've made it as a designer, you know, like Barney's in New York that you were talking about, you know, that these regional it stores um, really um, are kind of like the the vision board for designers, right? (laughs) 
right? You gotta get one more. It's it's the place that they know that they should try to get into. Mm-hmm. And and I, as uh, designer goal stores, I think that they're incredibly important and sadly more and more rare. Uh, Michigan used to have a, a Detroit-based department store, which in its heyday uh, was probably bigger than Macy's or Bergdorf Goodman's or any of those. Uh, JL Hudson's, uh, it was the biggest department store in the world being 20-something stories high. Um, they had a mean salad because they had a the lunch Is that the same counter. Hudson's that's in Canada? Is that are they connected at all? Do you know? Canada's Hudson Bay, Ooh, not the same oh, at that's all. What, okay, got it. Got it. They got are it, got they it. are Hudson Bay, and we were JL Hudson's, and and JL Hudson's moved from being just a Michigan department store to being a fairly regional Midwestern department store. They moved into Ohio and Minnesota and Illinois and um, Indiana. I don't know that we ever moved into Pennsylvania, but I think that that is possible. And eventually they were getting ready to gear up and go national and Lord and Taylor swept in and bought them up. Wow. And then the uh, Hudson's downtown store with its 26 foot, 26 story tower sat abandoned for years until they eventually imploded it. But at one time uh, they employed a city, uh, nearly a city full of people between their warehouses and their stores and their offices. And they made their own line. Probably 60% of what was in the store was made here in Detroit for Hudson's, which is, uh, we had a huge apparel community at one time, uh, rivaling New York or LA. So that's one of the reasons I came home is I'd like to see that happen here again. Well, because it was so easy, like transportation wise, Detroit, Michigan being a transportation, you know, epicenter, that it would be easy to have that coming in and out, right? No, if if, if we have trains that go everywhere and we have the waterways, the Mm -hmm. busiest international waterway in the world is the Detroit River. We get ships that come from all over the Great Lakes and they can make it as far out as the Atlantic Ocean through Hudson Bay. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Down Ohio, they can go into the Gulf of Mexico uh, because the lake will get will, will seat them into the Ohio River um, at some point. So, yeah, our stuff can go anywhere from here. And we're kind of midway. I mean, we're a little closer to the East Coast, honestly, than we are to the West Coast. But we're a good midway stop. If we if we ship stuff out of this area, same same principle in Texas, which is why I thought Texas uh, at one time was very viable for becoming an apparel manufacturing hub, is because Texas is sort of midway. You can mm-hmm. ship it from Texas to L.A. or Texas to New York for about the same price, as opposed to shipping it all the way from New York to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, so Detroit has that sort of same thing going for it, plus all of the infrastructure. We built a city to send out millions of cars. So if we send out millions of uh, units of apparel, that's we have the infrastructure for it. Oh, that's amazing. But, but yeah, uh, small, 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 independent, glamorous, high-end department stores. There aren't many left. No. Did you, did you get to go into the jail Hudson's? Oh, all the time. My grandmother, my grandmother would uh, dress us up after Sunday school. We would have some some meal that she prepared, usually horribly bland. Uh, and then we would walk uh, up eight mile road uh, to Woodward Avenue, which was maybe a quarter mile from her little home. And we would catch the Woodward Avenue bus and take it all the way to Hudson's. And we would shop the entirety of downtown. Um, 
it's where I, I, I maybe fell in love with textile. The idea of textiles in a store was a place called Zemco Textiles that she used to shop at. Cool. Three floors of, of, of uh, probably, probably Zemco did what I did. They went to New York uh, and possibly LA and bought the best. They had a very curated collection and they were there for years. So, uh, and I, you know, I would see Diana Ross shopping and, and Martha Reeves shopping, uh, women in furs. I mean, Detroit was very wealthy in the 60s. Uh, until the class riots happened. And um, um, yeah, so the class riots, uh, which is what people wanted to call uh, race riots here, but they were not. Uh, black and white folks fought off the National Guard together, and then Detroit was sort of punished. Uh, they left us without federal funding. They stopped uh, all of the federal funding that we'd already qualified for and left Detroit as an example to the rest of the country to behave. And that's how uh, that's how we lost things like Hudson's. Uh, eventually, downtown was just uh, a ghost town after five o'clock when the workers went home. Not the case anymore. Not the case anymore. We've we've come a long way since then. So, uh, tell me some of your favorite uh, high-end department stores, like small regional ones. So, I think that like the paramount um high-end shopping experience in texas really in my personal experience was stanley korshak and just you know having the crawford brock name and the kind of um lineage of learning from um stanley marcus of you know neiman marcus um I think that that's why Korshak was so popular. And even though, you know, it was a name from another town that was then bought and utilized by somebody else. And eventually Brock um, was able to turn it into a really um, unique shopping experience. And I mean, it almost feels like um, French quarter when you walk into the, um center um garden area and all of the little individual uh, boutique shops are built around the courtyard facing inward and it's all this um you know scroll ironwork painted white and i don't know it's just it has this very unique feel to it and you know that when you're going to walk into one room because you're a bride you know, purchasing a dress or, um, you know, hopping next door to the lingerie section um, to do your trousseau that like it's this, uh, you know, this all encompassing experience, a high end bag, luggage, <laughs> suits, uh, you know, and uh, it's just this, this very unique experience for sure. I, I think that that's a beautiful story. Um, and there are, there are stores like that all across the country. Yeah. One of my favorites is Gus Meyer. Uh, and Gus Meyer is out of Birmingham, Alabama. And it's a store that you wouldn't really expect to find necessarily in a place like Alabama. Uh, they have uh, an, an immense selection of things from uh, the highest end mink coats to, you know, pots and pans and hats. So, um Neat. I think that that it's really interesting how many of them have actually uh, lasted and have not gone out of business. There used to be uh, so many more stores. I think that um, also you have to sort of look at uh, 
the size of the store. You know, you've got your corporate department stores like Hudson Bay, Saks Fifth Avenue, JCPenney, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. uh, you have your corporate regional stores. And these are stores that usually stay in one spot in the country. Beals, uh, they're from Florida, but they're in Texas. Belk. Um, who else? Boscov's, I think they've got 50 stores. Uh, even Dillard's would be considered a regional corporate chain store and then you've got yeah, all your... like neiman marcus and you know like again yeah. those smaller regional chains right uh, well neiman marcus is considered inter uh, national now because they are all over the country um and then there's there's just some amazing independent department stores where there are only one or two maybe three of them david bryan from uh california i, I was surprised at how nice they were boyd's in philadelphia uh, we have we have Getz, Getz's here in Michigan in the Upper Peninsula and Marquette and Getz's tends to focus on more outerwear and and high end winter clothing but they do have stuff for all year long. I mean they're literally on Lake Superior. It makes sense that they have mostly winter clothing. Well, and I think you were talking just a second ago about you know it's great that they still have this longevity and they're still with us even after the COVID times. Right. But I think that part of it is that people are understanding, or at least a, a portion of people have understood for quite some time about investment clothing. And these are the places to get it. Right. 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 And uh, investment clothing, that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting topic too, because you know, who actually knows what investment clothing is? I'm not sure I know what, what, what is investment clothing, Megan? Um, well, I can take like maybe a snapshot or a, a verbal snapshot of my own wardrobe over the years of collecting different things. And so one of my favorite designers, um, uh, Alfred Shaheen out of Hawaii, is just absolutely fantastic. And so like when I look for something um, longevity in my wardrobe i will look for some um older designers in a, a vintage style or an aesthetic an aesthetic that i want to present or i'll go to one of these higher end department stores because i know that that black silk cardigan is going to be something that i am going to wear for decades and decades and decades and so yeah okay it might have been $300, but I'm going to treat my $300 sweater different than how I'm going to treat my $10 Target sweater. And I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to hang it up when I'm done or fold it when I'm done. Like, you know, it's a different model of care when you care about the things that you're purchasing, right? Puppies! Um, so when I'm looking for investment clothing, I'm really looking for certain brand blands, <laughs> beigey blands, um, brands and labels, um, because I had an aunt who was a milliner. And so I'll look for her line or there's a lot of new, um, people making hats out there and different accessories that I'm, I'll spend that money on because I know that it's going to last and I know that it helps that artisan. Right. Right. And I, and I think that the term investment, um, invest, investment clothing or investment apparel is, is, is actually twofold. I mean, there is a speculatory market on vintage clothing. Uh, you can find a vintage piece for $5 and uh, clean it and sell it for 5000 So there, there is actually that side of it, the speculatory side of investment 
uh, as opposed to just investing in your wardrobe. I, I tend to be hard on clothes, but I will tell you what I do invest in. I have um, a dozen beautifully made wool high-end tuxedo jackets. I can throw them over anything black and be dressed up. I can throw them over jeans and a black t-shirt and be dressed up. Um, and I also invest in shoes. I will spend a shit ton of money on shoes because they last forever. And I truly believe that men should take better care of their feet, put them in good shoes that don't ruin their foot health. And I also think it's important to, uh, uh, to any possible suitors. I notice if somebody has cheap shoes on and if they're wearing cheap shoes, I don't want to date them. They don't pay attention to the details. Right, right. Well, and I think one of the surprising things that I've seen over the years, and especially recently in regards to investment stuff, is T-shirts and concert T-shirts from like the early 90s um, to like 2010. And when you're looking, because I had an acquaintance um, that closed a really prominent um live music venue in Austin when a lot of the downtown buildings were taking over. They took over an area called Liberty Lunch and it was this really amazing live music venue that was part covered, part not, and just kind of gross and dirty and absolutely Austin. And the previous owners, um, when they closed down, they just boxed everything up that was there and put it into a storage facility. And so during the pandemic, as they started releasing things, they were coming up with like Green Day t-shirts and um wow. like just some real true gems of that um grunge rock era of that um you know the 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 darker than thou um goth beginning eras um all of these bands played there and they just would throw a couple shirts into a box and forget about it and so watching those items then sell in places like Japan for two to $5,000, like 200 bucks to $5,000 per shirt. It's just kind of jaw dropping. What is investment clothing, right? Yeah, so that's the speculatory side. Um, and vintage is, has been a huge business model. And when you go into a vintage store, most of that stuff was high-end investment clothing. Um, with the exception of you know printed T-shirts, which are which are, I, I would categorize as uh, sentimental value for most people, they're they're going to spend money on it because it reminds them of something or transports them back oh, to something. Yeah. Uh, but you know all of the rest of the stuff, the beautiful coats, the gowns that are uh, 60 years old and still in great shape, those were all investment pieces in somebody's wardrobe, and they have stood the test of time. And and to me, in the end, that is what an investment piece is, whether it's for speculation to resell, or just that you want something staple. I have those those uh, tuxedo jackets. They will be just as fashionable in 70 years as they are now, and they'll be in just as good a shape because they're so well made. Um, so I, I think that investment clothing, I don't know that I would get into the speculation market unless you've really done your research. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I wish more people would actually spend money to have, uh, two good pairs of blue jeans instead of 10 really crappy, shitty pairs that are going to fall apart. Or ones that, you know, just don't fit their bodies correctly and don't 
have like a good pair of jeans will make you feel very confident. Like whatever, like whatever comes today, it doesn't matter. I'm wearing my jeans. I'm good. Jeans shouldn't be like, you know, is my butt crack showing Are the muffins, you know, being held in, does it flow well with whatever I'm wearing for a top? Um, and so I think you're absolutely correct when people are very short-sighted when it comes to selecting jeans. Very short-sighted, you know, and, and I and I, I have been guilty of that when I was on prednisone and was the size of a bus, school bus. Um, I, I just bought whatever I could get around my body. It didn't matter to me. I was not going to look good uh, to myself. I just needed to cover um, the prednisone bloat and... Um, I, most often, I tried to buy things that were several sizes bigger, so they didn't bind me up. But as I've as I've returned to my normal weight and regained my health, I, I, I look to see how my ass looks in the blue jeans again. Do they lift my ass, or do I still look like I have no butt? Because I do have a butt now, uh, and, and you know I pay much more attention. And I'm not buying um, a twenty dollar off the rack secondhand uh, store jeans anymore i'm buying um you know calvin klein i'm buying diesel i'm buying real good denim pieces that will last me a lifetime right and i and i think that that's kind of other than the people that would frequent these higher end department stores i think the general public really has lost sight of the um, this is what i can afford right now and I need the immediate gratification slash the need to be filled right now, as opposed to being able to wait and save up for something that will have a longer wearability. And so and maybe it's a balance between fad fashion, you know, which is in, intended in a lot of ways, to, you know, to have flaws or have a finite life, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like... Um, I, I I don't see as much, um, you know, intentional garment buying from a lot of people. And I think it's kind of sad and unfortunate because I think that, you know, really great relationships between, you know, somebody who's looking for a certain style could be had with a designer. Um, I just wish I saw more of it, I guess, is is what I mean about that. And, and you know, most people have never worn something custom made and they have no idea how much different it is to wear something that literally was made to fit every curve of your body and what you get off the rack. It's a whole different experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, my challenge to everyone listening is if you've never purchased something custom made and you don't even have to, you know, I'm not talking about a $20,000 wedding gown or something. I'm talking about uh, have, have, you know what? Have a pair of pants, a, a pair of shorts, a, a, a T-shirt custom made to your body type and uh, give yourself the joy of something that was made by hand just to fit you. And I guarantee you'll have that piece in 20 or 30 years. You'll be giving it to your grandchildren. Yeah. And it, it really is, you know, um, I love this story. So I'm going to share it because it ties in um, fairly quickly is that um, the word heirloom comes from the actual loom that would then be passed down in the family to the heir. It's the heir's loom, right? <clears throat> and so when you're talking about investment clothing, when you're talking about reverence to cloth, 
that's where all of that comes from. And so I think that there has been this very dismissive, this very fuck it attitude about, oh my God, it might be our first one for this episode. Um, uh, this, uh, you know, F it attitude about um, clothing um, and that there really has been a lack of, of the proper reverence towards, you know, garments being made and being on the body and the investment type garments really are the thing that takes the leap um, from that heirloom to, you know, what can be passed down now. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think that that is a, a, an excellent point to make. Uh, you know, how many, how many grandmothers are gifting their granddaughters or great granddaughters with uh, wedding gowns that are then um, either altered or cut down uh, to fit. My, my, my sister, I made her, her wedding gown for her second marriage and uh, she's now uh, contemplating it's, it's all made out of high-end Egyptian silks and laces. And um, they may be cutting that down to fit her son's fiance. So, you know, there is also the, the heirloom aspect. It's, it's, it's the, the, the doilies that are from the 1800s, and it's the quilt that was made in 1920. And it's, it's the fact that, you know, uh, great-granddaddy's uh, sport coat um, that he, he bought in London on Seville Row is still in such good shape that, that uh, somebody now can wear it. I think that there's an investment not only in speculation and money, not only in self, but there is definitely an investment in having pieces to, to hand down to other generations. I, I love that your aunt was a milliner and that you have some of her pieces. That's amazing. And my daughters always are like, I want to wear it to school. And I'm like, that's not yeah, the proper not... reverence to that. You know, and, and it is like that, you know. Not and I, lo yet. I love watching them play dress up and wear them where I can, you know, scoop them up quickly when <laughs> they're discarded in that heat of that dress up moment. But, you know, it's one of those things that um, just took so many hours and just looking at the item from a construction appreciation about you know design time fabric picking time sourcing time <clears throat> uh, making time how long it sat on a shelf before she decided she wanted to keep it for herself or did she make it for you know all of these things that go into um, that whole selection process i find it fascinating that more people don't think about that. Um, but at the same time, right now, I'm wearing a pair of sweat shorts and a um, spaghetti strap tank because it is bloody hot here. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, we don't all always dress up every day. Um, mm -hmm. There's a reason they call it dressing up. We yeah. all pretty much get dressed every day, but dressing up is a special occasion, and it it has its own air of mystery and its own excitement and its own joy to vive. So I think that it's okay to sometimes schlep or just wear something comfortable around the house. Um, it makes dressing up. I, I mean, when you and Danny go out to shows, um, it makes it makes that so much more fun because you're you're putting on the nines, as it were. Yeah. So I like I challenge people just like you said to look within their own um walls of their wardrobe and start identifying the pieces that res like when people see you in a piece like that that they really have a resonant positive reaction like oh I love you in that color oh that cut is so good for you start thinking about your wardrobe like that 
And, you know, all of those relationships get better, I feel, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, well, I like, can't uh, wait. Uh, nothing. 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 <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you on Friday. I'm excited. What are we talking about on Friday? Well, what I'd like to talk about on Friday is um, something that we sort of touched on just a little bit ago, which is about people um, a lot of times um, have never had anything custom made. But on the flip side, from people who came from little resources, um, what it felt like to have everything made for you. And yeah, so yeah. I think it would be um, interesting to, um, you know, hear both of our stories about growing up, about um, garments being made for us and um, how, how those um, feelings evolved. I, I think that's a great subject. I look forward to talking with you about that. Uh, good to good to speak with you today. I hope that everyone out in listening land is doing well. I'm going to remind you to check out angelforfashion.com. Um, find a way to support a Ukrainian designer in their time of need. You can go to our website, advancedfashiondisruption.com. There is an Angel for Fashion link that will take you right to a page where you can just click a link and be at angelforfashion.com. I'd like to remind you that we do have a Patreon if you'd like to support us. And you may also use the contact feature on the website if you'd like to send us a donation to keep up the good work. Anything else I'm missing, Miss Megan? No. Um, oh, we still want to send people, um, even though it's still in, in our building stage, is to uh, Voices for, oh, sorry, uh, voicesofglobalfashion.org. And um, we are in the process of securing our 5013C status. And it's a project that we're working um, with Rachel Elspeth Gross on to help designers all over the world who are experiencing a disaster, whether it's man-made or natural. <laughs> or self-made in some cases. Oh, can uh, be. <laughs> we can, well, no, it, it, you know, a designer speculates and, and spends out on a collection that just isn't well received and they're on the brink of of collapsing, I don't think that they should have to collapse. I think that they should get the opportunity to learn from their exuberance for a collection and uh, carry on and not do that again. I think that there are lots of reasons for us to develop a means to help other people in the fashion and apparel industries. All right, Friday, I'll see you then. All right, talk to you soon. <laughs>